Well, hello everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. And we've got a couple of episodes recently kind of aiming at people who are new to homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling or considering Which there it. there are a lot of, Hal. You know, our state just released their data for the year and they said that during the the 2019 to 2020, or I guess it was 2020 to 21 school year, the past school year increased the number of homeschoolers by 19%. Wow. Which our state had a lot to begin with. Well, and we're seeing that across the nation. You know, the Census Bureau figures just absolutely blew me away. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw gro- like the small end of the spectrum. Some states saw growth of 6 or 7%. Some saw gro- growth of upwards of 20%. And when you're, yeah, when you're talking about twenty um, percent in a state like North Carolina, who has a lot to begin with, that's a big number. But if you're talking about a state like, you know, Maine or Vermont, which doesn't have a large number to begin with, and then they see their numbers double or triple, you know, that's yeah. that's really significant. And and so I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons for that. But one one of the things somebody asked a question, and wanted to to discuss what is the difference between homeschooling and school at home? Well, you know, I had to laugh, Hale, when yeah. you, you sent me your notes for this session. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking when you sent me the title that you suggested that we do mm-hmm. were like two polar opposite things. Okay. And so I think we're going to have to discuss this in two segments. Well, all right. Because there's kind of two issues here. Mm-hmm. There's the legal and situational and all the exterior to your home part of what's the difference. Right. And then there's what's the difference day to day. Well, you know, in either case, though, I think we can agree right off the bat that the the critical part, maybe not the location so much, you know, because a lot of people, frankly, a lot of new homeschoolers, I think, are coming into this because they've just spent the past year watching Zoom classes from the public school system and watching over their kids' shoulders and thinking, you know, we can do better than this. Well, and, and I remember some of them saying, homeschooling is awful. We've been doing that for three months. And I thought, no, you mm-hmm. haven't been homeschooling. You have been, You've doing, been doing public school at home. Right. And, and you know what? And that's not, we think the pandemic, but that's not a new thing because there's... I mean, for years, there's been a program in Alaska that's servicing all of these kids out in the remote areas where there's just not enough children and the roads are no, not reliable and the rest of it. it. It doesn't make sense to have a publicly funded schoolhouse and staff for this very remote, very thinly populated area. So they've yeah. had remote learning in Alaska. That's been going on a long time in different parts of the world that are remote. For example, the Australian Outback. I remember they reading had, about that when I was a child. Yeah, where they had school by shortwave radio. Right. Right. So so delivering instruction to a remote location, which happens to be somebody's home, is not a new idea. But I think you can look at those and say, if you are delivering the product of the school system to somebody's home, that's that's basically taking school to the house. And there are some advantages just to that. Because kids are in a more natural environment, Mm -hmm. they're interacting with different ages, not so much during the pandemic, but they're interacting with different ages, they're not having to sit in their desk for hours at a time. There are some advantages just 
to taking instruction out of the institution and putting it into the home, even if it is school at home. You know, I remember when we first started, basically were two different groups, you know, who were, say, why are you homeschooling? Either they, they were doing it for an ideological reason. They wanted to, to, to give their values, their religious beliefs or whatever to their children, or else they were doing it for what they called pedagogical reasons to say, I'd like to give them a different educational experience. So it's either, you know, an academic emphasis or a moral religious emphasis. But then you know what? Um, after a round of school shootings, suddenly you started seeing more and more people saying, I'm worried about my kids' safety. I don't like the environment in the school system. There's drugs, there's gangs, there's bullying, there's negative peer pressure, and I want my kid out of that. Well, I heard a lot of people saying last spring that after their kids got home and realized they would not be going back that year, mm -hmm. they told their parents they'd been bullied, and the parents had no idea. You know, I, I think about Candace Doug or a bully broken redeemed. Yes. You know, she talks about that and the devastating things they went through in their family because their child was being bullied and they had no idea. And so I think as people have gotten their kids home right. and been able to really hear them in a place of safety, mm -hmm. they found out that things were not going well in, in the socialization aspect of school. Yeah. So, so I guess you could say right to start, Right at the start, if you're doing school at home, there's still some benefits to that over sitting in the institutional setting. Yeah, because it's not really, but, but it's not really the place that defines homeschooling. Well, for example, we travel many months out of the year. We school in our van and in hotel rooms mm -hmm. and in um, on campsites. You know, we school all over the place. We kind of take the approach that life is a field trip. Yeah, and so. You know, yeah. What is it that defines school at home versus homeschool? What is homeschooling? Okay, well. Um, I think there's two issues. Well, you know, I, I look at it from kind of a policy wonk perspective, you know, because that was sort of what I was dealing with when we were on the board of our state organization and the, talking with other board members in different states. And we kind of looked at it and said, you know, there's two issues that really set it apart. One of them is... Who has the day-to-day -day control over the educational process and who is going to pay the bills for it? Mm -hmm. And so if it's, you know, what we would say true homeschooling looks like starts off with being, it's, it's privately funded. It's not something that, that is getting a constant infusion of tax dollars to make it happen. And why is that important? Because of the second part, mm -hmm. because he who has the gold makes the rules. Well, that. you know, if you're using what if you're using public money, there are public uh, goals that have to be addressed, and so, uh, yeah, so the you know the day to day control resting with the parents rather than with an outside authority, that to me is a real distinctive of true homeschooling. Right. It's not so much it's not so much the location as the focus of control. Right. So the so, you know the academic policy, the mm -hmm. curriculum. The teaching style, that's all decided by the parents. And that even applies when you participate in outside classes and co-ops. Because when the parent is the final authority, says, no, you know, we're not going to do that. Or, you know, this is the grade that's going on your transcript. When the parent's in charge, then mm -hmm. it's kind of like you contracted out some of your teaching. Well, I mean, you wouldn't think, if, if you hired a tutor to help your child understand a subject that maybe you're not comfortable explaining, say you hired a tutor to teach 
to teach calculus to your high schooler. Um, you know, if, if they were in the local public high school, that wouldn't change their status as a public school student, that right. they had a tutor exactly. coming in to help them. And likewise, if you say, hey, I'd like somebody to come in and teach my child French. I don't speak French, but I know a native of France who would love to teach French to my kids. You know, hiring them to come in and work as a tutor or to put your kid in private class of some sort, that doesn't change the fact that you are homeschooling. That's just you farmed out some part of that process. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it comes down, true homeschooling mm -hmm. is privately funded, mm -hmm. controlled by the parents, right. led right. by the parents. You know, the parents don't have to teach every single thing, but it's led by the parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do understand that we have lots of friends that participate in charter schools, mm -hmm. and I understand the motivation but let's talk for a minute about why homeschooling independently makes a difference to our kids. Okay. Because if you use charter school dollars to pay for your curriculum, mm -hmm. then you have to use a secular curriculum. That is just, and that's a matter of law. Right. I mean, that's not a, that's not a big bad school policy. That is a matter of actual federal law. And that has not always been true. Well, but I mean, the charter school, you know, the charter school movement that grew up back in the, I guess, 80s and 90s mm -hmm. as it started, that that was one of the things that they had to wrestle through because a lot of times they're looking for classroom space and what better place to find a classroom than a Sunday school building that's only being used on the weekend. And so there were a lot of them that said, yeah, we'd like to use your, your classrooms to run a school during the week and churches were willing to work with that. But the federal government said, look, you, you've got to... You've got to take any religious imagery out of the picture. You've got to put away the hymn books. You've got to cover up the posters with Jesus' name on it or anything like that. And, and so they, they really got very particular about that. And I know that we have seen that in some of the um, uh, some of the things that we have done in our business and some that others have done, some of our friends have done in their publishing business. If they're dealing with charter school customers, they have to be very specific. This piece of stuff does not have any... Sectarian contact, yeah. yeah, and so they have to be very specific to say this is not a religious item that I'm selling. But you know, so. it's not just though. It's that's important mm -hmm. that you have to use secular curriculum if you use charter school money. Mm -hmm. Another issue though is that when we put someone else in charge of our kids' education, then we lose the ability to make the decisions. When, mm -hmm. we, when we put someone else as authority over our kids' education, if we look and we say, you know what, this child needs to be taught on a different level in a different subject, mm -hmm. that may be a problem. Yeah. If you think, this child, you know what, this child needs special help, and so I'm going to get them a curriculum for struggling learners. And then one charter school told me that they can't do that without a, appropriate testing and approval. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it limits your options. And that's one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is we can do exactly what our kids need when they need it. And well, so if, if our educational choices, it may save us money in the yeah. short term, but it may cause us problems in the long term. Well, yeah, or, or if it doesn't cause a, an, act, an active problem, it may be that you miss out on opportunities. Yeah. You have, you have an opportunity cost. What, now, you know, some of our listeners who've been looking at the laws in their local states are saying, now, look, 
it's nice to talk about independence and all the rest of that, but you've got to understand, our state, they have an annual testing requirement. We've got to, we've got to document attendance and uh, 180 days of instruction a year. And all. I mean, I, I don't have this ultimate freedom. It's but, not as hard as you think. Well, no, because, I mean, it's just like, you know, we've got, we talk about having freedom of movement in our country. We can go wherever we want to. That doesn't mean I can turn off the highway and drive across a farmer's field if, right. if it's a shortcut. There are rules of the road. There are some guidelines in there that we're expected to follow. Well, but in our state, we're required to record a hun- to teach for 180. No, actually, it's not 180 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rule in our state is that you have to give nine months of instruction, excluding reasonable vacations. It's not even 180 days, yeah. and it says on the form, please note days on which academic instruction or academic activities take place. Well, that doesn't For take, most of us, that, that's, that's most days. That's life. I mean... <laughs> and, you know, there's no limit for how many... There's no standard of how many hours we're supposed to teach or what, you know, what curriculum we're supposed to use. Oh, oh no. I mean, and it don't, they don't care if you want to have school seven days a week and then take off, you know, extended periods or if they... If you want to have school from from uh, 8 p.m. till midnight every day, I mean, if you want to do that, I mean, you're, you're free to do it. It's not... You've got a lot of flexibility within even the the minimal guidelines that they do put out. So I mean, just recognizing that it's not a it's not a total um, a total free form, free range type of thing. But but the guidelines that are out there, you can work with. Likewise, testing. If you have a struggling learner, you're allowed to make accommodations. You know, mm-hmm. most very few states even have a requirement of how what kind of scores you're supposed to have on the test. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they're not difficult to meet the requirements at all. So you don't have to worry about the legal requirements. This is something mm-hmm. you can do. Mm-hmm. You can meet those requirements. HSLDA.org is great. That's the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. For helping you know yeah. exactly what the law really requires. I saw on the other day a parent in Virginia mm-hmm. um, sent their notice of intent into the school board, and they, the school board sent back asking for a whole list of things. Mm-hmm. And this mom contacted HEAV, the Home Educators Association of Virginia, right. the state support group in Virginia, and they said, no, you have re- done what is required by law. Here's how you should answer. And she answered that way, and the school board said, okay, thanks, have a good year. If yeah. she, but if she hadn't known, her, known the law, she yeah. would have had to do a whole lot of things that aren't required. You know how we're running out of time, but in the next segment, I really want to talk about how homeschooling and and school look different day to day. Okay, all right. Well, that sounds good. Well, now look, we're following up on a listener question, and that question is: Can you tell me what's the difference between homeschooling and school at home? And if you've got a question, it could be about homeschooling, it could be about anything, it could be about parenting, biblical family life, right? Yeah. That's what we're about. Um, just leave us a message on our listener response line. That number is 919-295-0321. Just leave a message, and we can answer it, and maybe we can get it onto the podcast. We'd love to get some feedback. So, look, we will come back. We'll, the next next segment, we'll be talking more about this, more about what it looks like from day to day, okay? All right. You can find us at RaisingRealMen.com, mm-hmm. our subscription box at CraftsmanCrate.com. And the archives for this podcast at halandmelanie.com slash radio. And on that note, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And thanks for listening. Take care, y'all. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.